What's up, bitches? Welcome to Manscape. I'm sorry I call you guys bitches, but I just feel very strongly about this podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Dickery's Dick Molds. Um, Dickery really enjoys people that are across seas having molds of their husbands and brothers and cousins' dicks. So essentially, you mold your dick and you send it to Dickery, and he keeps a uh, a library of male penises in his home. Trust me, it's not weird. It's more of a uh, it's a business. Um, it's only nineteen ninety nine per dick mold, and then depending on how big your penis is, he will tell you a uh, flat price. No pun intended. Uh, today, I have a very special guest, uh, Joshua Sheldon. He is a friend from high school a buddy that served time in the military and does all kinds of cool shit. So we're just going to sit down and talk to you today. Sheldon, what is up, my brother? What's up, dude? Speaking of dick molds. Bring it. So you can buy a dick mold and make a mold of your penis to make a dildo out of it. Really? Yes, you can. I feel like that's exactly what Dickery's trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> if I if somebody got a dick mold of my penis, it'd be like a fun keychain. They... they <laughs> They'd have like uh, their picture of them riding the raptor at Cedar Point, and then beside it is my dick mold. That that's kind of what that would entail. That's a good family piece of memorabilia. Uh, yeah, dude, put it on the uh, the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shelby, what's up, brother? What have you uh, been up to? Uh, well, I re- recently just finished the third season of my coaching career for wrestling. Really. Shit, son. So, wrestling's over right now, right? It finally ended. I'm happy it's over, but I can't wait for it to start again. Do you guys do any, like, in-between shit? Because you've been doing, you said three years now, right? So, do you do anything in-between, keeping them conditioned, or? So, last year was the first year where we started doing stuff in the off-season. We started doing open mats and having uh, off-season lifting, which I feel is really important, both for the strength and conditioning aspect and getting them time on the mats with the open mats. Uh, this is the first time Kenton's ever done something like this. And uh, it, it was a slow start, but those who showed up, it really it really showed in their uh, wrestling during the season. It, it, it really made big progress. So it's completely up to them if they want to come. It's not required by the actual sport itself? You can't make it required. Yeah, just because it's out of season. But th- whether they want to be successful or not, that's w- their personal requirements for them. If they want to be successful, then they're going to show up. That's sure. all there is to it. Uh, you and I played soccer together, and from when I, me and Jordan Shepard, a buddy of ours I went to high school with, we did extra time at the soccer field, and just from that, like. Uh, three months of just grinding, you could see the improvement automatically. So I'm sure these kids, like, if you don't participate in these side um, adventures, you're obviously going to kind of fall behind. Is that what you think you've seen before? Oh, definitely. Um, uh, I fortunately don't have too many uh, uh, unsuccess stories. I don't see too many people not being successful because they haven't shown up. But I do see kids who haven't really gotten a lot of exposure to the sport. I had a lot of middle schoolers last summer show up to the open mats and it you can really see the improvements that from the season before or just from having zero experience. This was maybe their first year wrestling and they showed up to the open mats. That happened with one kid. 
and he was fantastic. He had no experience with the sport, showed up to open mats, and he had a fantastic year this year. Really? Just mm-hmm. automatically? Automatically, as a 7th grader, which is very tough as a 7th grader with no experience to show up and wrestle in middle school wrestling against a lot of other 8th graders. He was in a tougher weight class, too, and he, he want, it went 1-2 and two at districts this year, which is fantastic, and I hope that he'll qualify for state next year. No shit, man. What, what do you think put him aside from uh, the other students? Like, was he just automatically built for the sport? Is that a thing in wrestling? Absolutely, it is, especially in middle school. Um, the more technical you are and the more you know the sport, the more it helps you, definitely, without a doubt. But in middle school, there's less of a uh, gap between those who know the sport and those who don't. So if you're built and you're just naturally stronger, it helps. And this kid was built, but he also learned how to wrestle through the summer and through practice. And he really did a lot of things right. He's a great kid. He pays attention. And he's in a National Junior Honor Society. This kid is top of the, you know, cream of the crop. He's a great kid. And it shows in his wrestling. Absolutely. Um, Do you think... So a lot of, for me, my experience, a lot of parents think wrestling is going to help their kids if they uh, deal with anger issues or shit like that. Do you think this helps get them out of that, or do you think they should look elsewhere? Because I know sports is a very good outlet for children to keep their mind focused in high school and middle school. So several times uh, before the season, during the fall, I went into the middle school and I had... Uh, meetings with potential wrestlers. I brought er, during a, a a free time during the day. I had everybody who was interested in wrestling come and meet me, and uh, I asked them several times, "What is your number one reason for maybe participating in wrestling?" And by far, the number one reason that I got from all of the kids was, "Well, I you know I, I I've got a lot of anger issues, and I think this might help me with that." And uh, just as some type of outlet, some way to vent my anger and frustration. I, and that's absolutely true. You can, it's, it's a fun sport, but it's so physical that you have to find a healthy way to use your anger. There's nothing wrong with anger. Anger is a good, natural emotion. That's we have right. to find yeah. a way to use it in a healthy means. And wrestling is a great, a great way to harness that anger and that energy. For sure. Did Do you feel like that's something you went through? Because you wrestled for quite some time. What, five years? Five years, one year in middle school, and four years in high school. Um, absolutely. I would definitely say that it pushed me to be the best that I could possibly be. It pushed me to, uh, even when I was tired, even when I was hurt, I would push through it and find a way to get the victory because it's fun and because you're looking for success. You're yeah. looking for that. And that anger is can be fuel, especially for men. It, it, women, absolutely sure, but especially for men. That Just by, biologically, I feel. We, we're instinctually fueled by stuff like this. It, it probably stems all the way back to when we were hunters. So um, younger kids dealing with this, it's probably – just a natural course of their life, I feel. And we shouldn't, you're exactly right, and we shouldn't dissuade that. We should just channel it the proper way. And wrestling allows us to find that proper avenue to channel that anger and frustration into a very technical sport. You have to be intelligent in order to wrestle, 
while still using intelligence, you're, you're channeling that rage into something productive instead of destructive. For sure. It's definitely a great uh, tool for these kids. Do you think Do you think we as a society uh, are too quick to medicate children? Because I, I feel like um, ADHD and stuff like that, some of these kids are just from the jump medicated. And I feel like if, if people took into consideration, maybe look at these other routes, maybe look at these other paths to get your kid uh, down to a normal level, that might be something we can look forward to. Do you think we're quick at that? or? So this is an unexpected topic. Um, I got to be careful here just because of experience. But I think at times, yes. At times we are way too quick to say, well, this kid is just so hyper. He has obviously got something wrong with him. That may not always be the case. Sure, it certainly though, sure. can be the There's case. a time and a place. Absolutely. Time and a place yeah. for all things. Absolutely. And it may be the case. But maybe not always. We just got to be careful as to... Are we making too quick of an assumption of this person is too hyper? Or is this just a, a normal kid just being crazy? Because kids are crazy. We got we to gotta accept that fact. They are crazy. And we got to be able to handle that. For sure. That's a good answer. So where, where do you see yourself coming from this uh, coaching kind of thing? Is this a hobby for you or are you like, shit, I'm, I'm going to go top. I'm going to go Olympics with this shit, dude. Uh, I can never see myself being an Olympic coach. Part of that is because of my own personal achievement, how far I made it to wrestling. I don't feel that I know enough about wrestling in order to coach Olympians. Yeah. That being said... I love coaching middle schoolers because they're for a lot of the times kids first start out with wrestling in middle school. So you, you get their first exposure to the sport and you get to teach them the right way and you get to see major progress from the beginning to the end of the season. In one season, there's a huge change. And that happened this year. I had tons of first year wrestlers because I did a huge recruiting campaign and these kids went from knowing nothing to being pretty good wrestlers. Pretty good wrestlers. And it has to be rewarding oh, it's in so itself. Exciting. Yeah. It's so exciting. You just see the progress and there the potential there. It's like, "Oh man, this kid's actually pretty good. He doesn't look like anything, but man, he could actually wrestle in the future if he does this and this to progress along." I am so excited with the future wrestlers that I had this year. This was my first year as head coach, and I had so many first-year wrestlers. I'm so excited to see what they're going to do in the future. Absolutely, man. That's awesome. So definitely not trying to get yourself a million-dollar baby, but this is a good uh, side project for you. You think you'll continue even when you get like a full career kind of thing? If my schedule allows me, I will coach. If at all, if there's any possibility of me being able to coach, I'm going to coach. Because I love it that much, and I love the sport. And anybody who coaches wrestling, specifically, any really any sport, anybody who coaches middle school or high school athletics, they love that sport. They don't just do it just because. They love that sport. Yeah, for sure. Do you keep up with the UFC or anything like that? Because I feel like you... You, uh, it's not strictly wrestling, but you could get to see like a lot of that in there. Do you watch that at all? Um, I do watch UFC. I don't keep up with it as much as I'd like, um, but I do. I love the sport. I think it's awesome, and 
you know, I get some kids who say, you know, I, I really want to see what I can do in UFC. Okay, great. Awesome. Fantastic. Wrestling is your best your best foundation right now into the UFC. Right now, yeah. Because uh, obviously there's better ways to train and shit, but for a child, for a child who's in middle school or high school age, wrestling is your best foundation into potentially getting into the UFC. By far. You can get into boxing once you're in high school, and that's a good thing. I think that's a fantastic thing. But you got to remember their brains are still developing. You don't want them to get beat up too bad. At the same time, there's always a risk in any sport, so you got to accept that. But still, I would say without a doubt, wrestling is your number one foundation for UFC. For sure. Uh, so, wait, you're saying kids in high school are boxing? You can get into it. I mean, if you look for it. It's not just oh, okay. so readily yeah, available. Obviously, no schools that well they used to really not anymore not that i know of yeah not around here fuck that'd be sweet i'd feel like gross going to a, a high school boxing tournament but deep down inside i'd be like yes let's let's watch this shit my grandpa boxed in high school really that's sweet it's an all-out fight though same with ufc like wrestling is kind of coordinated when it comes to boxing and ufc you're trying to destroy that man wrestling you're trying to put him in a position where he cannot come back at you UFC, you're trying to put him in a position where you humiliate him, I feel. Yes and no. I mean, yes, because you're trying to knock them out. You're trying to show who's dominant. But you're still trying to do that with wrestling. And no, because when you really get down to the sports of boxing, and I admittedly don't know that much about boxing, um, there's a lot of technical aspects to it. And when you really see what's going on in the sport, that's when it gets fun. That's when it gets fun to be a, uh, uh, just someone watching on the sidelines. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's the same with wrestling. If you don't know wrestling and you're trying to watch the sport, you're trying to watch the NCAA championship tournament. It's hard to follow. It's hard to watch. You don't know really what's going on. You don't know when, scoring is taking place because scoring is very complicated with wrestling and boxing and any martial art and, really. yeah yeah it's so, obviously not a goal there's certain things that get you certain points and like you said that's very difficult because to me i have no fucking clue i i know a uh, field goal or a touchdown is when you destroy the kid like when you you put him down and you win i have no idea about scoring at all Right, certain sports are so obvious, and wrestling and other martial arts, they're not obvious. You don't know what's being scored all, sometimes. Yeah. But when you understand the rules of wrestling, and when you look into it, it's so much fun to watch. It's so much fun. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why wrestling isn't as popular as other sports, just because people don't know how it's scored. Yeah, for sure. You're a very passionate man. You realize we're we're all gonna die one day, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Someday, because <laughs> you carry yourself like, no, this is great. Life is awesome. I well, like it. I respect your passion, Sheldon. Um, what what makes you so passionate about this? Is it just because of uh, where you came from with this sport? Like, well, that's exactly just it. the you grinded it out. You experienced this shit. So, is that why you you have another sight on it? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I know from a personal experience what wrestling can do for kids who are struggling in any aspect. Yeah. 
you know, they have bad home lives. You need to wrestle. Okay, you have, you're, you're getting bullied at school. You need to wrestle. Okay, you have this, this, or this going on. I don't care. You need to wrestle or play any sport, really. Sports in, in general help with anything. It's good to keep kids away. I, I love sports because I don't really have that, like, constant need to do this. Me, I've always struggled with my weight because I'm kind of a fat man. And when I was when I was uh, fucking with uh, swimming and stuff, I was constantly, like, burning off all the extra calories that I was taking in. So for kids to get something like this at a very young age to kind of understand how their body works, it's, it's gigantic. Well, all the additional things that you learn, along with re- learning the sport of wrestling, you learn nutrition. Yeah. You learn a lot of di- a good well, body coach. cutting, cutting weight. That's cutting gigantic, weight. right? It, cutting weight is an important factor of wrestling, but it's it's uh, that's actually part of a lot of the reasons why some people don't get into wrestling is because cutting weight's dangerous, cutting weight's unhealthy. It can be. There's no doubt about it. But if you do it right, there's no danger to health. And with the new rules that are going on in high school, um, you have to, at the beginning of the season, you do an alpha weigh-in, and it measures your body fat composition and your hydration level. With all these new rules that are, go- that are going in, it's designed to increase safety of the sport. Because we don't want kids going to the hospital because they have brain problems because it, because they didn't eat enough fat. And that happened. I, that that's the Bath head coach, high school head coach. That happened to him, Tommy Mall. He ha- had some health issues just just from cutting or cutting weight. And I don't think he would be too upset if I said that on on your podcast. He, we need to know the risks. We yeah. need to know the risks and how to do it healthy. For sure. So you being a coach, what what do you think is the most rewarding thing you've gotten from uh, kind of guiding these children? Because me, myself, I worked at a daycare, and I knew it wasn't for me. So it sounds like this is something you'd enjoy seeing yourself with. What What are some things that you've taken away from this? So some of the, obviously, seeing any kid win their first match, that's like, yes. Because you pushed them there. Yeah, yeah, you know, they used moves that I taught them. That's, that, you know, that's you know I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit. Toot away, least. buddy. Yeah, it's, it's cool it. to watch. The kids that I taught do the moves that I taught them and then win because of that. That's cool. Yeah. And then it's cool to see the look on their face and then they come over and shake your hand or give you a hug because they know that you're the reason that they were able to win. But at the same time, at the same time, they're the ones who competed. They did the move right. They're the ones who won the match. Fuck that, dude. Sounds like you're in a good place with that, man. I, I, I... I was messing around. Maybe we don't all die, Sheldon. Uh, (laughs) It hasn't scientifically been proven, but it's very nice that you're so passionate about something. So that's awesome that you have something to kind of put your life towards. Um, You were, how long did you serve in the military for? Well, I'm still in. I just, just last Sunday was my seven year mark. Seven years. Seven years. Jesus. In the Army National Guard. Man. So uh, what do you, how has that been for you? Because that, that's almost a decade. I mean, you've been in there longer than you have in school and college combined almost now. So what do you take away from it? Do you, you've had mostly a positive experience. Yes. Uh, mostly. This past weekend, I had drill. And I have personally had a good experience with the military. I don't have any nightmare stories to tell. 
but I have heard some horrific stories of people getting screwed over via um, not getting paid for two years. I, I've heard that story. And for uh, not getting treated medically for the things that they need to, get, need to get treated. And that's a big problem right now in this country. I hope that those problems will get fixed in the future because I I personally love the military. It has done a very it's done a lot of positive things for me as a person, as an individual. Yeah. I've learned a lot through the military. Social skills, um, real technical uh, skills that I can apply into civilian life. If you're smart about it and you pick the right job, the military is a great way to go. Yeah, for sure, man. So when you were I, – me, I'm such a – hey, I'm not going to keep this uh, podcast PG rated just because I'm, I'm going to keep doing my thing, you know. Um, I I was kind of a bit of a pussy growing up, if you will, pussy. Um, you and me both. Yeah, I was, and and entering into something like that because I remember doing um I don't know my first jumping into soccer in high school. I played Y ball my first year because I was afraid the movies like portrayed high school soccer as Channing Tatum being a the the forward on a soccer team, you know. So I, how are you? Jumping into this, I would be scared shitless, man. I jumping into the military. The military. Well, were both, you just ready, or both my grandfathers uh, served in the army, and I just, I don't know. Ever since I was a kid, I knew I was going to go to college, and I knew I would join the military. I didn't know how those would work out, but it worked out really great. Um, uh. I, I, I just knew that I would join the military, and so I did. It, I was in a tough place with college. College wasn't working out at the time. I really wasn't <clears throat> mentally and maturity-wise ready for college, the, the workload of college. Nobody is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I, you know, I joined the Army and got deployed, and it's been good from there. Absolutely. Have you seen things like uh, places that you thought you'd never see? Has this been a, a great travel experience? Because that... That's something I'm missing out on. I, I'd love to travel, and being a 9-to-5 job, in my situation, 10-to-8, um, I don't get to see a ton of the earth. Did you get to travel quite a bit? So, uh, I've been to all kinds of different states here in the United States. I've been to Georgia for basic training, and Georgia is, a, well, at least Fort Benning is a miserable, miserable hot place. Um, in Georgia? In, yes. Yeah. It's uh, west of Atlanta, I think. It's near the. It's actually is part of part of the base encompasses in Alabama, so it's okay. right there on the border. Very hot, hot place, hot place. Um, and then I've seen Texas. San Antonio is a beautiful city. Did you get to chill down in Texas at all? Uh, yeah, on the weekends. Yeah, I did. It was beautiful. Is it fun? The Riverwalk. You have to go see San Antonio. It's really? beautiful. I, I hear wonderful things about Texas. How was the barbecue? Please tell me you had barbecue. Uh, I did, but only like one time. It was good. It was good. I can't yeah. really remember how good, but it was good. Well, that's good enough for me. Um, and then obviously I've been to Afghanistan, which is on the other side of the planet. Yeah. Which is... The second worst place that I've ever been to, Mississippi being the first place, the first worst place that I've ever been to. You hear that, Mississippi? Mississippi You are worse than fucking Afghanistan. Oh, Camp Shelby, Mississippi, you suck so bad. Why? 
It's miserably hot. Ten times Humid? worse than Fort Benning. Humid. So hot. Uh, just bugs. We had a black widow on the outside of our barracks that we fed grasshoppers to. That's that's, that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> it was kind of cool, but I mean, come on. That's kind of <laughs> fucking horrifying, too. Yeah, I mean, it could have crawled up the uh, uh, the air conditioning exhaust and just slain us all in our sleep. Yeah, I think that'd be a quite the trial and tribulation for a black widow, but <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> It didn't, obviously, because we fed it, I think, because we gave it uh, sacrificial offerings. You kept them full so they didn't <laughs> fuck with you. Yeah. This is biblical. <laughs> right, obviously, yeah. Uh, but Afghanistan, that, it could be a beautiful land because the the bones of the country are actually pretty gorgeous with the mountains and the, well, the scenery around. It's actually pretty scenic. It's the people that destroy it people don't want to hear this but this is tell the me truth. sheldon this is the truth the people no in afghanistan are not the same as us they are they do not do things the same way and they do not think the same way as us and they are complete and total shitbags oh my goodness Ooh. people are gonna are gonna go crazy oh you can't say that but it's true you heard it here first guys all right uh... Afghanistan friends are shitbags. They are completely horrible human beings, and the decent human beings that do exist in Afghanistan, they want to get out. They want to leave. They like, don't want to stay there. It's like North Korea. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to live in North Korea. I do. I just want to live there for a week or two. See how it is. Uh, but that, you don't get to do that. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Isn't that crazy that a guy uh, got fucking jailed by stealing a poster in North Korea? I've stolen posters out of bathrooms a thousand times. One of our own people got trapped in North Korea. Is that the American who got... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I saw his face on TV, and he's like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> like, his apology speech was almost pathetic, because he's, he's just trying to get home. It's like, he's crying, wanna, he's bawling his eyes out. I wouldn't out. say pathetic, I'd be like, he he's trapped by something that's not American-made. So, what we see is totally different than what he's experiencing. Pathetic is a harsh word, I'll admit. Yeah. But it's like, it's almost to that point where it's just like, oh my goodness, this is where he's feeling emotionally just because he's trapped there. What a pussy, dude. If I still... I, I don't know about that. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. I don't know about that. I feel like that's where you're getting. No, Maybe. no, no. Do no. you want to gang up on this guy? No, like if he wasn't in North Korea, then it would be pathetic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so Afghanistan, it had potential to be a gorgeous place and you think it was just, um, overtaken by how shitty people were or, oh, definitely. Uh, you know, I had some of the food that they make and it, it's delicious. Uh, it was actually sh chicken stuffed with sheep and with like a fruit and vegetable, like like sweet vegetable arrangement. Oh, we call that, uh, cheapen. Oh, cheapen. Yes. Uh, Turducken? Uh, no, cheapen. <laughs> In the States. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, the people there are just, they don't use common sense. And they don't ha know how to use the toilet properly. This is hilarious. Elaborate. So, now. when we first got to Afghanistan, 
Day one. This is Cinco de Uno. We got there sometime at night. It was, the stars are out. And, uh, okay, quick side note. Quick side note. The stars in Afghanistan are by far the best part of Afghanistan. Because you look up and you see every star that there is to see. And it, you don't get to see that here in the States because of light pollution. Not the case over there? Not are they the a little under-evolved over there, would you say? Uh, a little underdeveloped, yes. Uh, I'll get to that here in a moment. Please do. There's, uh, there's some interesting things yeah, as far as that goes. But uh, the stars are gorgeous. And then you pull out your night vision optics and look up in the stars, and it pull it magnifies all the light from the solar, well, beyond the solar system, the galaxy, all the star, visible stars that you can't see, uh, you look up with your nods, and it's you can see every single one of them, and the, it just illuminates the entire sky with That'd be stars. It's yeah. amazing. But anyways, where, where did we side uh, divert from? We were just talking about um, how Afghanistan is not technologically evolved there, okay. their, their bathroom etiquette, shit like that. So, okay, yes. Night one, we get to Afghanistan. Uh, we uh, get find our bunk. Uh, we get put in these transient bunks, which are complete crap. They're just... Nobody takes care of them because nobody feels transient? like they need... Transient barracks is what they're called. So they're invisible. So what they are Translucent. is... <laughs> there are specifically four people who are only staying there for a short period of time, which okay. is new new units coming into Afghanistan. They get into this the base and they stay there for however long until their plane is ready. Okay. For us, it was two weeks, and we get there night one. We get to our barracks, and all of a sudden we hear a whistling over our heads, and then an explosion. Jesus. Uh, so there, we're getting mortared, and we all, you know, we're we do what we're told. We get on the ground, we get our gear on, and we go to the bunker. You're panicked, right? No, we're just like kind of ready. Ready. I'm with, I'm with an infantry unit. You gotta understand, these dudes are hardcore. The infantry guys. Yes, these guys are ready to fucking kill every yeah. living thing within a 50 mile radius. They're like seniors versus freshmen. Yes. In in theory. They will destroy everything around them. Yeah, okay. Just for fun. I love the infantry guys. I'm a medic, and I love the infantry guys. I went, to, I went to fire school with a few of those guys, so I have a few stories about them. Oh, yes, yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, anyways, you know, we get uh, mortared, and we go into the bunker, and then everything clears, and we go back. What were we talking about? Where was the no, focus of this? Hey, no, no focus. Wherever, no focus. Wherever we go is where we go, buddy. Yeah. Excellent. I I just want to see... What, hey. Oh, I remember. Toilet usage. Yeah. <laughs> so How do you keep forgetting that, buddy? Apparently, I, uh, somehow the uh, the mortar that it hit landed on the base, it hit, damaged the water... Area. I don't exactly know what happened. All I know is the entire base flooded with shit water. Because there's an entire... We called it the poo pond. That's where they treat the sh human fecal matter that comes from the base, which is the size of a decently, moderately large city. They treat all the shit in this poo pond. Well, 
the entire base flooded and so did the poo pond and there was literal turds flooding through the flood waters. Was it like a solid turd or like a broken up? Uh, like one solid log. One giant log? A log. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't uh, know what human produced that. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, they shit simultaneously. <laughs> it, was a, it was a turd merger. Yeah. If anybody watches uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I do. appreciate that one. Most people do. And you remember Except that episode? For... No, I don't, though. The Who pooped the bed? Oh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. yes. A turd merger. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, this is... They're very unequipped for sanitation. And that that's caused tons of issues with people in the past. That's where disease and everything spreads from. Well, they don't even know how to use a toilet properly. So when they, this Just ha- tell me why they don't use toilet. When, when this all happened... We- where do they shit, dude? <laughs> when this all happened, uh, we went into... Uh, after the flood waters receded, we went into the, the uh, porter potties to finally evacuate our bowels... And there were footprints on the seats. Were there girls there? In our unit? No. No? Okay, so girls still don't poop, correct? As far as I'm aware, they do not. Okay, great. Continue. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, there were footprints, like actual feet, not just shoe prints, footprints of where oh. these barefoot Afghanis who worked on our base, they stepped on the toilet seat and squatted to take shits. Because they didn't know how to use normal toilets. And on our when we finally got to where we were going to stay for the rest of our uh, deployment, there were actual like footholds where to put your feet so you could squat and shit. Squat and shit. I tried using it. I tried using it. It's hard, dude. It, it, you get a full evacuation, but dude, it's, it's like... Wait, so it, it brings your feet closer to your body to help with evacuation? Let me do a visual demonstration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to describe this visual demonstration. Uh, Sheldon has become naked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see what you're doing. So um, that's, actually, that's actually not uncommon in the U.S. right now. Um, our buddy Cody Wilkinson, he has this thing. I don't know what it's called. But Swatty potty? Yes, yes. <laughs> when I go to his home, he's a very, uh, what, hospitable, I believe. And he'll go, I made you this, here's your beer, and if you have to go take a shit, there's a squatty potty. And it's a cool thing. It works. It, it works. Work. So maybe Afghanistan is a little bit more evolved than we thought? Uh, no. No. I'm going to say Not no. at all. Uh, Let's they- retract. The, the angle is the only thing that they have going for them because it is a natural angle. However, when presented with a modern toilet, they cannot use it properly. They don't know what to do with it. Really? Nope. I think we should just take shits in hammocks. Laying down, shit through the net. That's going to keep all your intestines in, in a safe working space, right? So, Wally style. Wally. The. A robot? Yeah, where nobody gets up from their chair, they just have everything... Oh, yeah, I'd prefer that future. Okay. Yeah, we're kind of on that path where Wally is becoming real <laughs> with uh, with how technology is. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later, Sheldon, but I do want to talk about some more of your travels. We uh, are about 40 minutes into this already somehow. Are you serious? Yep. It's and... like nothing. It does. That's how you know we're doing good. So, 
Hey guys, we will be right back to you. We are going to take a commercial break and just uh, go powder our ball sacks and come right back to you guys. Uh, thank you for listening to Manscaped. I love you. Welcome back, you beautiful listeners. This is your host, Cornelius, and sometimes I just want to reach out and make out with every single one of you, except for you ladies, because I'm a taken woman. Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. I'm still Cornelius from the block. I used to have a little, now I have a big cock. Or at least I know where I came from. This episode was brought to you by my favorite sponsor, Butt Pugs. Um, do you like do you like cute animals and also 3D printed butt plugs? Well, listen to me. Listen to me. I have a beautiful new product that you can stick in your booty and we are actually going to make a legitimate physical product. You think this is a joke, but butt pugs is going to be a real thing here soon. As long as my uh, 3D printing consultant, Bradley Dieter, gets his shit together, you hear that, Dieter? You guys will be able to purchase them for a very low price. I'm thinking $20 right now, but I will give you an exact total. We are back with Manscaped. Joshua Sheldon, what's up, my brother? Just another day in paradise. Living the dream? Always. I say that a lot, living the dream. When people say, what's up, Corey, at work, I say living the dream. It's so cunty, I feel. Is this your dream? This, podcasting is a good part of the dream, I suppose, but when I'm at Sprint selling little computers to selfish people, no, that's not the dream. Do you think I... selling a lie, then. Oh, yeah. Everything I do is a lie. I will tell you that right now. If you guys want to know... A uh, sales uh, technique. If you if you go to a sales store, you're gonna get told a couple of lies. But don't listen to me. Come buy shit. Okay. <laughs> Sheldon, do you think uh, right now where you're at in life, are you happy with what's going on, or do you do you yearn for something more? Do you crave that extra step in existence? So you can be happy while still yearning for more. And I think that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I definitely want more out of life. I want to get my degree. I want to get my nursing degree. And I want to uh, uh, accomplish more with coaching. I'd like to. I hope that I'll be able to do that while being a nurse. We'll see. Do you want a million dollar baby? I feel like you glossed over that the first time I asked. What do you mean by a million dollar baby? So it's a film. And what basically what I'm asking you is... Do you want a very good boxer that happens to be a female to learn everything from you and then one day get hit so hard she falls on a bench or a stool and becomes paralyzed? Is that what you want with your life? No, because I coach wrestling. Oh. However, however. Interesting. I, I thought you were a boxing coach this <laughs> entire time. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, however, I am all about... Uh, coaching females if they want to wrestle however anytime i've ever tried to coach female they quit because they they just don't really want to be there they, they don't really want to do it anytime i find a female who actually wants to be there i will coach the shit out of them yeah okay i respect that do you think um women in america do you think scientifically or biologically, do you think they're not capable of doing these uh, 
primarily man sports or do you think it's just something mentally because in my opinion i love women so much uh we talked about this earlier i think feminism only exists because other women suck i think men are totally fine with you breastfeeding in public and uh if you wanted to make a uh a poll of who doesn't want you to breastfeed in public good luck finding one single man do you think when it comes to women do you think uh, it's just mentally so as far this is a complicated question actually as far as wrestling goes i'm gonna stick with this because this is what i know um as far as wrestling goes i think in ohio fewer women want to wrestle because there's no women's wrestling in ohio it's it's combined it's women and men combined in one sport and so especially with how physical wrestling is it makes it very difficult for women to compete and succeed against men just because of genetics but that being said you're a piece of shit that being said women have won the Iowa which is Iowa State Championship which Iowa is known for its wrestling that's that's this, what the state is known for is wrestling Sheldon, how do you feel about women, you fucking piece of shit? I feel that genetically, genetically, on the average, they are less physically strong than men. Oh my god. Oh no! <laughs> would, would you refer to them as, uh, they were gatherers while men were hunters? Not even necessarily, because... Well, because that's fact, I feel. There's no <laughs> argument to that. I feel like that was the thing. Uh, well, it, you know... Again, if I get a woman who, a female, a female who wants to wrestle and they really want to be there and they want to be the best, I will coach the shit out of them. I don't care what level of skill they're at. They could be awful. If they want to be good, I will coach the shit out of them. I mean, I feel at the end of the day, you really do want a million dollar baby. And that's kind of what I thought this whole time. Actually, you know what? The, the, the number one reason that I started coaching is because I want my hometown to win a WBO championship, which is our conference. I want that to be a reality, and it's possible. It's a, it's a thing that's possible. Yeah. We've never done it before in our history, and it's possible. Okay, respectable. I just want to mention that uh, women, I respect you immensely, and I only called this podcast Manscaped because it rolled off the tongue, and I am typically afraid of sitting down with attractive females. Keep in mind, he is a salesman, so he is a natural liar. Yes, uh, and most things I say are lies. So in reality, you might not need an OtterBox, but you will get one if you come to my store. Sheldon, I want to hear about your travels. I want you to tell me about what have you seen in, in this realm of existence that is very temporary. And we might die. And uh, I feel like I just, there's a theme here. I want to keep you grounded. You're too fucking happy. It grosses me out, man. You think you think you're invincible? Uh, so all right. So things I've seen. So if you study the history of Afghanistan, you'll know that Alexander the Great, who is a Greek um, conqueror, he. Uh, he conquered Afghanistan and held it for a time. And he was really the only one in history other than the Mongols to actually truly conquer Afghanistan and hold it for any amount of time. Uh, there is a Colosseum that we would drive past on some of our missions. 
and we would see it. We didn't ever stop at it, but it was an actual full coliseum. It was really cool to look at, and we drove past it. Uh, and then we also got to see a castle built by Alexander the Great on top of this mountain, which was a bitch to get on top of. Quite the trek. It was a hike. Let me tell you what. My legs were dead. I was wearing my full gear, my helmet, my uh, uh, armored vest, and all of my ammo. And then on top of that, I had my medic bag and my weapon. I was carrying all that stuff up this mountain. And then we got up there, and they just let us play around on it. Just What'd you do? We just walked around, climbed all, all over it, and just saw stuff. Did you... Did you guys wrestle up there? No, we didn't wrestle. It was way too hot to do that. Really? You're on top of this mountain and in the middle of Afghanistan with no breeze and the sun's glaring down at you. <laughs> way too hot to do any of that. When you were um, training, did you have an X amount of time that you had to be battle ready almost? Like, um, say, like, uh, you got a call in the middle of the night or, hey, this shit's going down. You got to be battle ready. Was that like a part of your training at all? There was a section of the end of our training before we were deploying uh, where we were on a mock base and we were part of the, uh, oh, I forget the name of the acronym, but it's, it's basically a team who has to be ready within 15 minutes for anything. It was a, it was a fast, uh, ready team. I don't really exactly uh, know. Quick. Q-U-I-K? Q, Q, uh, uh, quick reaction team. Q-R-T. Q-R-T. Uh, I was just bullshitting. That's amazing that I got that pretty close there. I think that's right. I think that's right. Quick, I'm not exactly Quick sure. reaction team. So you weren't, you yourself, you weren't trained to prepare for an immediate action. Oh, yeah. absolutely I was. Absolutely really? I was. So you, because when I was in fire school, you had to be donned your fire suit and breathing within a, a minute, one minute. And it was very difficult for me because my fire suit was constructed of buckles and everybody else had Velcro. So automatically I lost every time. Like uh, that, I, I legitimately thought I was going to fail fire school because of this training. But I ended up getting Velcro. Was that something that... You guys had to do, like, uh, boots, fucking everything, immediately, ready for action. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We did that kind of training all the time. Uh, and it's really stressful, especially as a young private who doesn't really know anything. Uh, you're told, you're getting screamed at the entire time by your superiors, hurry the fuck up, get the fu your fucking shit on. And, you know, you're getting cursed at, and everybody's screaming at you, and you have to get it on and ready and get in the truck as fast as you possibly can and you're just looking at your buddies and they're hurrying as fast as they can too and if they beat you you're like oh shit i need to hurry up really it's that's crazy terrifying i i feel like uh was boot camp a lot like that too oh definitely boot camp was far worse actually boot camp is all about um your mental strength i feel they try and break you right they try and break you and they will succeed how difficult it is for them to succeed is up for you, uh, up to you. You, my advice to anybody who's listening who's thinking about joining the military: let your drill sergeant break you. Let them break you because that's their job. They're going to, no matter how much you fight it. Either they're going to break you, or you're not going to graduate basic training. That's it. And 
you want to graduate basic training because the alternative is much, much, much worse. What's that? You get stuck Working on, at Walmart? No, you get stuck at the base for eight more months when you could have been graduated much sooner. I feel like immediately to break me, I would get off the bus at basic training and they'd be like, uh, not even in like the real battle or the real training. They'd be like, dude, you're pretty chubby. And then I'd be like, I'd just start crying. I'd be like, oh. Well, that's not the right option. That's, that's, not, that's not the right answer. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd verbally say, oh my god, you broke me. <laughs> well, okay, that's uh, too much broke. You're, you're too broke. Oh, uh, no. You think I'm too broken to fight for my country? Too, too broke to fight, maybe. Not everybody is destined to serve. And definitely not me. I'm flat-footed, deaf in my left ear. And uh, that's about it. I got love handles. More cushion for the pushing. Ew, dude. That's assuming I get butt fucked by the opposite sex. Who's assuming? Oh, shit. I'll cheers to that. <laughs> Sheldon, this is a uh, reoccurring question I ask on this podcast because I enjoy hearing about it. What is the best cuisine that you have ever experienced in your life? Something that you constantly bring back. You you jump back to. Even from your travels, don't you dare say Kraft Mac and Cheese. That's a new rule. If you say Kraft Mac and Cheese, you're off the fucking shelf. You say Velveeta, you're fine, but... I promise I will not say Mac and Cheese in any form. Okay, Velveeta's the shit, so that's fine. Liquid gold. Um, honestly, I don't know. I don't know that I have a favorite, but... Uh, maybe... Uh, most interesting would be the chicken stuffed with sheep. The sheep. The sheep. What's the most delicate, the most delicious thing you've had? I don't know the answer to that question, to be completely honest. I, I Nothing, dude. I this like is... pizza, all right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know what to answer that with. You've never been across seas and got, like, a... a weird food and you're like holy shit yeah i got chicken stuffed with sheep <laughs> that's fair enough that's fair enough when you came back to the states was it hard for you to settle back in after being cross seas for so long or were you like fucking thank god i get pizza and Velveeta. i'm ready to fucking rock so it's interesting there's there i wish i could show you a flow chart uh you start out please with don't an extreme ecstasy uh, you're super happy that you're fucking home and not in Afghanistan, which is a fucking shithole. You're so happy, and then... You hear that, Afghanistan? Get you your shit together. <laughs> you stay happy for a long period of time, probably six months after, and then all of a sudden, you're not... You didn't just get home from Afghanistan. You're, you've are you been home for some time, and you can't use that line anymore. And then the happiness starts to decline because... Oh, you didn't really do anything in a recent period of time. You've been drinking a lot, a lot, a lot of alcohol, and you was been, that the case for you? I drank quite a bit of alcohol when you got home. Oh yeah, just because you were uh, fitting back into society, or because that's where all your friends were. Both, because I had moved back to um, Bowling Green, Ohio, and. All my friends there were drinking lots of alcohol, and so I did too. But also, you're deployed with the infantry, and all they talk about is, I can't wait to get a beer. 
and then you get home and you can have a beer. I turned 21 in Afghanistan and I didn't really get a 21st birthday. So when I got home, I drank. I really made up for that. Really? I really made up for Successfully? that. Successfully? Successfully and otherwise. Did you uh, Did you have an official going out to the bar 21st birthday? Not an official, no. Oh, you hear that, Manscaped? We are going to throw Joshua Sheldon a 21st birthday because he was overseas. And I'm going to start a Kickstarter to get this going. We're going to have pizza because apparently that's the only food Sheldon thinks is delicious. Actually, I like everything, so whatever's good. Uh, nope, not what I've heard. And fuck craft, we're having Velveeta. Let's start this shit off right, Sheldon. Welcome back to the U.S. <laughs> Six years later. Oh my goodness. Five years later. Five years. Fair enough. Alright, buddy. We've we've kind of covered all your uh, your awesome military. Do you have any cool stories from military that we need to hear? None incriminating. No name drops. I just want to hear like something that might have been uh, shareable. Something you want to talk about. I nearly got banged by a gay man. Hmm. I'm interested. I knew you would be. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say something exactly like that. So, uh, this guy who we all knew, he deployed with us. He's good. He's a great soldier. He's a bigger guy. He's very cut up. He's very lean. Uh, he's benched over 400 pounds. He won the base's uh, uh, powerlifting competition. Super strong guy. Uh, real great soldier. We found out halfway through the deployment that he was gay. This is before uh, Obama put in the, or removed the Don't Ask Hotel. So it's cool to be gay. Now it is cool to be gay. Although he's straight now, which is very confusing. Anyways. How do you think he feels? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, he, when we got back from Afghanistan, we were in a hotel and for whatever reason, I didn't have a room. We were drinking in our friend's room and, uh, he, he told me, Hey, you don't have a room. That's all right. My roommate isn't here. You can have the other bed in our, in my room. And I, I didn't think anything of it. I knew he was gay, but I didn't think anything of it. I just deployed with this guy for a year and I knew him very, very well. So, and I trusted him with my life, obviously. So we got to uh, his room and we were finishing our last beer. And he asked me, Sheldon, are you gay? And I said, no, no, I'm not gay, dude. But I, I know you are. And at this time, he didn't know that everybody knew he was gay. So he's like, How wait. did you guys find out? He told one person, and, and it spread, spread like, like wildfire. Yes, yeah. oh, I was gonna say wildfire. Yeah, Damn. exactly. We we're on the same page. We're on the same yeah, page. Jinx, you owe me a soda, a or beer, a beer. Oh, good, you got me one. Thanks. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> so he tried to butt fuck you. He hold on. <laughs> uh, he uh, he asked me, Sheldon, are you gay? And I said, No, but I know you are. And he's like, well, wait, 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 what? And I was like, well. That's a weird response to that question, and by the way. We all, we, we all know you're gay. It's happened. It's whatever. I don't care, but we know you're gay. And he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. So, uh, what, shit, what did he say? Damn it, I've told this story so many times. He said, uh, make up a funny joke, I think. Um. 
Can you take me higher? That's how we uh, comfort silence on this show. They sing Scott Stapp from the Almighty Creed. Well, he uh, he basically, eventually he got to the point where he said, so he, he grabbed my upper thigh, and I'm doing this to Corey right now. Very close to my ball sack. This is exactly how it was for me. Oh, he said, he looked yeah. me straight in the eyes, and he said, so... You wouldn't like it if I started to suck your dick right now? That's a hard question. That's a, that's a hard question. What the fuck are you supposed to do in that situation? Obviously, I took the only option available to me and I left the room. Did you panic? Yes, I panicked. Who wouldn't? I had a dude who was three times my size and easily could have raped my asshole telling me that he wanted to fuck me. You weren't flattered at all? No, I was terrified. <laughs> I, I've been told by gay dudes, I have like perfect eyebrows and shit like that, and like uh, tiny wrists and uh, giant love handles, and I'm always pretty flattered that 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 is a compliment to me. They weren't actively trying to fuck you, were they? Yes, yes, I I was gonna get to that. You were you were on the verge of being fucked, so that is a very <laughs> weird situation. How was uh how was life with this dude after that? No, it's actually good because. He, he, he wouldn't have, he would not have raped me. I want it to be very clear. He would not have done that. He apologized immediately after, and there was no... Was he drunk? Yes, he was drunk, and so was I, And but nothing happened, and I slept in my car that night. That's how you know you're not gay, Sheldon. A gay dude offered to blow you while drunk, and you declined. So good for you. No more soul searching, buddy. I wasn't soul searching, but thank you. You look like you're soul searching. <laughs> <laughs> Just by the way you carry yourself, you look like you're constantly soul searching. You know, I actually, actually, I get that a lot. I get a lot of, people, <laughs> I get a lot of people telling me that. A lot of people ask me if I'm gay, and I am not gay. I want it to be very clear to the public. I am not gay. Hey, you heard it here first. Sheldon will be gay if I likes the women. Prove it. I have a girlfriend. Uh, fair enough. I do too, and I'm not sure if I still like him. I'm just kidding, guys. I love women so much. What um, what's your ideal woman? Do you like the big and beautiful women, the BBWs? My ideal woman is one that I can get along with and tolerate. That's disgusting. That's that's a really coward answer, there, Sheldon. Who's all? Uh, that, hold on, hold on. Uh, you have to understand what I can tolerate. Yeah, keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> so I can only tolerate donks, big I, old booties. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can only tolerate someone who is actively interested and active. active. Mm, respect. So if they have a penis. <laughs> Definitely not. I, lo I love how awkward this is getting. <laughs> this is getting <laughs> we, real deep. We've struck gold here, dude. We've, got, we've hit like four silences. <laughs> Well, all right. So I have a girlfriend, and she's fantastic. She is probably... She is pretty cool. We, we hung out with her, too. She's really cool. She feels like she's super awkward in public, but she's not. Anytime... It, she just feels that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's like an ego thing, though, I feel. Yeah, like. she just has low self-esteem, even though she's gorgeous. She's extremely intelligent. And anytime she interacts in public, she is normal. I don't, I, I don't know why she feels the way she does, but she does. 
Yeah, for sure. Self-structable. I've hit my peak, and I can't do any better. You peaked. I peaked. That's depressing. No, it's not, because... She's awesome. If if she wasn't awesome and I peaked, then it would be depressing. That would be depressing. I like where your head's at. So you um for uh speaking to women post military, has that did that help you get a leg up on it or Oh without a how, doubt. How were you with the ladies? Because in high school you weren't you weren't Casanova by any means, and neither was I. I kissed a girl in two thousand uh what year is it? Seventeen? Yes. I, I kissed a girl this year for the first time. I just want the world to know that Corey's lying. But anyways. No. <laughs> you can trust me. <laughs> anyways, uh, you know, I was, I had no social skills. None. Yeah. And this is a really important uh, reason for anybody who might be thinking about joining the military. If you are that awkward, super shy person and you think the military might be for you, Join the military because I was that person and I had zero social skills and I had a hell of a time becoming socially normal, I guess. Being able to talk to people without it being really weird. And I finally got to that place through the military after being deployed. It finally happened. It was a heck of a time transitioning to that point, but it did finally happen. I, I love that that's what you got out of the military, but you're forgetting the whole risk associated with the military. The uh, You have to be like a certain type of person. Don't Actually, if you're shy, you're probably not cut out for the military. You got lucky, I feel. If you are scared of dying, then you should not join the military. Oh, so you... 99% of people out there, you have to be scared of dying, I feel. I, to a degree I am, but honestly, when I deployed, no, actually I was very, very comfortable with the idea of me dying. Really? Very comfortable with it. Like, I was 100% okay with it. Jesus, why? Uh, A number of different reasons, but uh, basically, I I was just, I I was secure with where I was headed. Uh, You know, I have some religious background to it. I, I was... Very comfortable with where I was heading. Are you still strong in your religion? or Definitely. And I was very challenged during deployment because a lot of the infantry guys that I deployed with were not religious and they challenged my beliefs. Um, and I only see that as a positive thing for me. I think that was a very good experience for me. I needed to be challenged in order to actually decide as to whether I really did believe it or whether it's just something I was taught. <clears throat> you heard it here first, America. The uh, first person to break Sheldon from his religious constructs was nobody. Gets one thousand dollars for Manscape. Game on, Sheldon. You can try, but uh, my personal experiences lead to my personal beliefs. <laughs> I'm gonna have like all of America attacking your religion now. Do I get a cut of this? No, you just get to uh, build your religion, as you say. <laughs> I'm not trying to build anything. I'm just trying to live my life. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to take one more commercial break, and we're going to come back with you with a new segment. I actually am going to try out with Sheldon. It is called Box Office 
brainstorm. We're going to do about a half hour and we are going to see what kind of film we can come up with. This is a uh, trial run, but hopefully it will be a continual fun thing that we have for this show. Thank you and continue listening. Sheldon, sing some Creed as I go to a close here. A-I-O-U. That's Hootie and the Blowfish. No, that's Creed. What did you just say? A bunch of vowels. That's all you need to say to sing Creed. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll be right back with Manscaped. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> You're disgusting. <laughs> all right, guys. This podcast was brought to you by uh, Ricky Spankbank. Uh, are you sick of looking at uh, different types of porn? Well, Ricky Spankbank is going to show you all the shit that he's into. And if you don't like what Ricky likes, that's, that's your bad. Because after you spend the money, it's over. It's, it's game over. You own his shit. So, welcome back, Joshua. It's good to be here. Josh. Is it good to be here? It's so good to be here. So good. Josh and I are bringing you the box office brainstorm. It's a new segment here on Manscaped. We draw uh, some topics out of a Ryan Gosling pillowcase. Because I don't know what else to do with it. And other than sleep on it. <laughs> and we will create a short film for you based on these. We will have longer segments based on this, but this is a trial run, so I hope you guys enjoy it. I am going to draw two things from each category. So essentially we did two topics and two actors. So, first drawing is... I shouldn't put them all in the same bag. That's AI. <laughs> Design flaw on my part. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Adapt and overcome. That's right. Newton's law. No, it's not. Is that Newton's law? No. no. What's it's an army. <laughs> oh, okay. Our first drawing is Tom Cruise. He's going to be one of our actors today. He's very short. Welcome back, Tom. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Tom's been on here before. Our second one, our second topic is death. So we have Tom Cruise and a topic of death. Just give me a second here, guys. I'm trying to make it as fair as possible. Okay. Sheldon made his very tiny, so they're kind of hard to grab onto. Okay. Ooh. Our second topic, other than death, is fantasy, medieval, Zombie army. Very interesting. We just need one more actor or actress. And I will be doing the voiceovers for this. And we will be back and forth on content. And the second actor is Tom Hardy. Yes. So, this is perfect. This is perfect. <clears throat> I'm going to start the box office brainstorm. And when I go to you... You will help me build this film that eventually will become a box office brainstorm. A box office blockbuster. <clears throat> this is the tale of two Toms. Tom Hardy and Tom Cruise. In this film, they play themselves. <laughs> now, death has ravaged the land these two gentlemen were very young at this 
time of filming. And all they did was Tom Cruise was a blacksmith. Tom Hardy was a young stable boy. That was a horse. <laughs> now, on to you, Sheldon. What did they do? They both had a knack for inexplicable things happening in their lives. They met whilst finding themselves at the nearest magic college, the Mages Guild in their local town. Interesting. They started out as friends. They grew to become powerful mages. They grew to become best friends. But then tragedy struck. They both loved the same woman. My God. But Tom Hardy being the taller and better man won her over. And Tom Cruise being a bitter piece of shit. Oh my God. <laughs> Shots fired. Was bitter and a piece of shit. <laughs> he raised an undead army. And back to you, Cornelius. Yes. <clears throat> While Tom Cruise was filled with regret that his older Tom, his more attractive, more filled out, blood pulsing Tom, took his woman, Tom Cruise knew within him that he also had something pulsing in his pants. It was his cock. His cock of love. It struck every vital organ in his body. And as he raised the undead army, he had an hankering for death. He needed Tom Hardy's head upon his broad sword. And he would stop at nothing to win Mandy Moore back from his disgusting brother. And he once loved... Back to you, Joshua. <laughs> so Tom Cruise, being the dastardly piece of shit that he is, took the only avenue approach that he knew with his family being slaughtered. He raised an army of the dead using the foulest arcane arts that he studied while at the Mages Guild. Mages. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> he took this army and destroyed their hometown. Tom Cruise fled with Mandy Moore to the capital and from there pled their case to the nearby king. Hmm. Now, Tom. While he had won the woman, he also lost much more. He saw as his deathly zombie apocalypse grew, he became weak. 
those he loved around him, the ones remaining, were stricken by illness. Everything that he loved became death, except for Mandy. He had one choice. Either let Mandy become dead and flee the country, or fight. And he knew there was only one other mage powerful enough to help him fight off the undead army that he accidentally created. And that was Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy and his disgustingly large throbbing cock and Tom Cruise's mildly average throbbing cock. They struck each other. Stared each other down. And they began plotting their attack against an army that neither one of them had previously prepared for. <laughs> How do you follow that? <laughs> they, you have to. they sheathed their cocks <laughs> and united, throwing fireballs at the undead army, uniting as one. Realizing that Mandy Moore could take both cocks at once. <laughs> they destroyed the undead army bit by bit. Yet, Tom Cruise's failure was raising a sentient undead to lead the army for him. Wait, hang on. I don't understand. So, Tom, here, backtrack. Outside of uh, the box office brainstorm, what did Tom Cruise do? He Tom Cruise raised a undead that could lead the undead army and and keep raising more undead. Oh, okay. You just said a cool way around that. Okay, cool. I'm back. <clears throat> Tom Cruise. He sat. His brow stricken with sweat. His eyes glossed over from pure remorse as Kevin, his undead juggernaut, drove the undead army to the closest tower. They stood one by one, falling to their death. Tom Cruise, Tom Hardy, Mandy Moore, they fucked their brains out. They became like the undead. Brainless, thirsty, and in the end, alone. <sighs> was the sound of the town, as there was no one left but Tom Cruise, Tom Hardy, and Mandy Moore. What we have learned from this tale today is that your cock may control your friendship, but never, never let it control your mind. Indestructible, the domination of a every broken enemy will know. Take a little go. What a great film! Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. And porn stars. Giant cocks. <laughs> the undead two army. Tobs. Two tobs. And by the way, that box office brainstorm was called Two Toms and the Undead Army. I feel. Unless you have something way cooler. <laughs> <laughs>
two toms and two giant titties. No, nah. that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny. It is good. It is good. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on the first box office brainstorm. Very impressed how that ended. Um, I, I had a vivid idea of what was happening the whole time. And too vivid. It, too vivid. Comfortably vivid. Cocks were sheathed. Thank goodness, though, they were sheathed. Thankfully. <laughs> um, I want to thank you to all my Manscaped listeners for sticking around. Hopefully you enjoyed this first box office brainstorm, and we can come back with you with another longer and um, more drawn-out version of this. Please give me some of your uh, ideas on how this went. Go ahead and like, subscribe, and share. And thank you so much, Sheldon, for sitting down today. It's been an absolute pleasure. It was a great time, brother. It was so much fun doing this. I look forward to the next time. Sheldon and I are going to go partake in a couple more bar foods because it's a cheat day. Fuck it. Fuck it. And always remember, please subscribe to Butt Pugs. Your first butt pug will be coming very soon. Stay tuned, my sexy friends. I am doing two a week as of yet, and I will create more if you give me more. Like Mandy. Mandy Moore. That's, uh, I'm rambling. I love you. Stay thug. Stay true to yourself. And always, trim your bush.